Welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and Texas wine enthusiast. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. Thanks for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 18. Today, I'm talking about the winter weather that walloped Texas and the impact on the grapevines. First, Texas wineries are in the news. The big news, of course, has been the weather across the state, and we'll get to that shortly. But in the midst of this crazy time, we've had two big openings, and one is the Messina Hoff new location outside of Houston. It's called Messina Hoff Harvest Green Winery and Kitchen. It features an expansive tasting room, an 83-foot wine bar, full-service restaurant, covered patio, two private tasting rooms, and the wine production and barrel room, and a wine warehouse. This is going to become Messina Hoff's second largest facility, complete with on-site vineyards and wine processing. The new location will also house all the direct-to-consumer shipping operations for the company. It's part of a master-planned community development in Richmond, Texas. This is currently in its soft opening phase, and the grand opening is scheduled for later in February. Congrats to the Bonarigo family on this major expansion. The next big opening is Rerouted 210, a new urban winery and wine bar in downtown San Antonio's Hemisphere area. Jennifer Beckman and her husband and business partner John will offer seven varieties there, and they expect to add other Texas wines to the menu over time. In an article for the San Antonio Current, Beckman says, It's been a long road, but we're so excited to be here. Rerouted 210 will offer pours by the glass or growler. It will also feature a variety of subscription programs, like a monthly growler of wine from its tap selections, an insulated container, and discounts on growler refills, bottles, and wine by the glass. The tasting room will be open Thursday through Sunday from 1 to 9, and will eventually add Wednesday hours, too. Opening week was disrupted by the winter storm, but I know the new spot will be a go-to destination in no time. Congrats to Jennifer and John. Cherami Wines has been named one of the Wine Business Monthly's Hot Brands 2020, the wines that defined the year. Wine Business Monthly says that when they were choosing who to feature on the list, they wanted to reflect the diversity of the American wine market and have both established brands and new, as well as winemakers young and old, familiar regions and surprises, celebrities and families. Cherami Wine is a brand dedicated to 100% Texas fruit. Jeremy says it's been trial by fire, but she and her partner Todd simply started asking for help, and Texans showed up. She says, when you need something, when you want something, especially if you're a nice person, people will literally just lay it all out for you. They invite you into their home, they invite you into their families, they invite you into their operations, and they teach you. Jeremy Wines first released a Riesling from the Texas High Plains, and just recently released a Rosé of Montepulciano. A red blend is coming soon, and all wines are available online at sheremywine.com. Congrats to Sheremy and Todd. The Texom International Wine Awards competition is now open for entries. The pandemic delayed the competition this year, but it's currently on the books for late April. Texas wineries always have a good showing at this prestigious event. I want to mention a couple things that I think make the Texom International Wine Awards special. One is the incredible pedigree of the judges. Most of them are master psalms, masters of wine, 
or others who are at the very top of the wine industry. The next is their focus on educating sommeliers from across the country. During the Wine Awards, there are about 40 key sommeliers that are invited to participate in a sommelier retreat that includes education not just on wine service, but also how to write notes on wine, how to be a good interview source for the media, they get direction and career mentorship, and more. Many of the wines entered into the competition end up being evaluated not just by the judges, but also used as teaching wines for the educational aspect of the event. Master sommelier Maximilian Cast said it best. He said, I have never seen such a high concentration of the best palates in the country at any one place in my life. Wineries that receive awards from the competition can be assured that the best of the best deliberated tirelessly on those decisions. So last year, the top white wine in Texas was awarded to Yano's 1836 White, and the top red wine at the Texom competition was Lostral Cellars 2017 Sangiovese. Messina Hoff also won two platinum medals for the 2017 Paolo Tempranillo and the 2018 Cab Franc Double Barrel Private Reserve. And of course, there are also plenty of gold, silver, and bronze medals too. Find out how to enter your wines by visiting texom.com. You'll need to submit four bottles of wine, and the entry fee is $95. That price is good through March 28th, and then the entry fee goes up a bit. April 11th is the final date to enter. If you're a Dallas and Fort Worth area listener who might be interested in volunteering at the event, please let me know. I volunteered for the past two years and have had a great time. TWIGA, the Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association, has moved the dates for its virtual forum. The new dates start March 2nd. One cool event that they're doing is a March 9th virtual wine tasting of some of the gold medal wines from the recent Lone Star International Wine Competition. If you act fast, you can order the wines and participate in the virtual tasting. The wines include the Dry Comal Creek Vineyards 2019 Roussanne, the Lost Draw Cellars 2019 Varietal Rosé, the Adega Vino 2017 Portisol Proprietary Blend, and the Hack Vineyard and Winery 2017 Blanc Dubois Madeira. Visit txwines.org for more information about registering. Wine searchers W. Blake Gray, who's always writing something provocative, published an article this month that's called Wine Wholesalers Line Lawmakers Pockets. His first sentence will certainly get your attention. It reads, if U.S. politicians are for sale, alcohol wholesalers are the ones with the receipts to prove it. In the article, he shares data showing that Texas Governor Greg Abbott is the big winner in the transfer of cash from the liquor industry to public office holders. Governor Abbott received $1.5 million from wholesalers during the period studied. The second biggest beneficiary is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He received more than $700,000 from wholesalers. No other politician in America, not even the recent candidates for U.S. president, received more than $247,000 from wineries, wholesalers, or retailers. So why is so much money ending up at the top levels of the Texas state government? Gray states that it's because retail stores from out of state are not allowed to ship into Texas, and wholesalers want to keep it that way. There are several fun events coming up in the spring, and tickets have gone on sale for two of them. One is the North Texas Wine Country, 
Bud Break Wine Trail that begins March 1st and continues all month. 27 wineries will participate. The next is the Texas Hill Country Wineries Wine and Wildflower Journey. You're invited to visit from March 22nd to April 16th, and there will be 42 Hill Country wineries participating. The virtual calendar is filling up fast, too. Texas Fine Wine is hosting a monthly virtual happy hour and is launching a virtual talk and taste series. Participants can join wine experts and enthusiasts for engaging discussions on a variety of wine topics. Featuring bottles from Bending Branch Winery, Dukeman Family Winery, Paternalis Cellars, and Spicewood Vineyards. Wine bundles will be available for purchase for some of the sessions, too. Sign up for the virtual events and get details on Texas Fine Wine's bottle tasting bundles by visiting texasfinewine.com. The four wineries that are collaborating on marketing through Texas Fine Wine, once again, are Bending Branch, Dukeman, Paternalis, and Spicewood. Brennan Vineyards used to be a member, but with the Brennans moving into retirement, the day-to-day operations of the winery are being transitioned to Texas Wine Collective. That's the new name for the old 4.0 sellers. Got that straight? Best wishes to the Brennans in their retirement. Hey, there's a new podcast I just discovered that you might be interested in if you're really into the viticulture side of things. Daniel Pate of Apical, Texas, who was a podcast guest last fall, and Travis Conley, who's Brennan Vineyard's vineyard manager, have launched Republic of Vitus, a podcast that goes deep into vineyard management. Daniel and Travis focus on vineyard profitability, analysis, and problem solving. Their first episode is out, and it's all about pruning. I listened to it, about 80 minutes of talk about pruning. Most of it was over my head, but I'm not exactly the target audience either. Best wishes to Daniel and Travis on their new podcast. Again, it's called Republic of Vitus. And that's the Texas Wine News. Wow, what a year 2021 is starting off to be. Texas really got walloped last week by the weather. And vineyard managers and winery owners are still trying to determine what will be the long-term effects of the super frigid temperatures and the icy conditions that most of Texas experienced. I'm going to give a little bit of a rundown of how some of the wineries are talking about this major weather event. And I also want to mention some of the wineries that are really going above and beyond to help their neighbors who are struggling. One of the first people that I saw talk about the storm was Chris Brundrett on his Instagram page. Of course, he is the co-founder of William Chris. On February 15th, right in the thick of the storm, Chris said that he was hoping that the ice that was on the vines was doing them some good. He said, this is so out of our ballpark and out of our norm. We'll know in a couple of weeks whether or not we have total bud loss or maybe even total vine loss. He said it got down to four degrees and high, which, of course, was better than the negative four that was forecast. But he said, please pray for our vintage. They had limbs down on the property and some had clipped their tasting deck and things were just looking really frigid. Now, John Rivenberg, my guest on the last podcast, had a video of him talking about the weather on the Kerrville Hills Instagram page. He talked about how most vinifera, which is, of course, the species of grapevine that we're dealing with here in Texas for the most part, um, how, do, how does it manage in the cold? He says that the ice encapsulating the vines most likely will act as an insulator. 
and that vinifera is cold hardy to about negative five degrees. There might be some damage, he says, but the vines are kind of being held in suspension by the ice. And in certain areas around the world, they actually use water to protect buds from a late frost. He said that the two unprecedented cold snaps that happened before this major weather event were giving the vines some time to navigate the temperatures. So they've had a little bit of practice, basically, and they've been hardened a little bit by those previous cold snaps. In a recent email, John shared that he thinks in the Hill Country that so far it seems that the ice may have indeed saved the buds. He says, I've been cutting in a couple different vineyards and noticed different levels of loss. I think we will see some damage depending on the variety, but so far it appears that we are in pretty good shape. I think the cold snaps leading up to the ice event helped to create a gradual hardening of the vines in most cases. We did have several days under ice, so there will be some damage, of course. That being said, I don't think we have lost any vines, and only time will tell what our crop looks like this year. I did a little research, and I found a cool chart that was part of a blog post by Pierre Helwy and Justin Schneider of Texas A&M. It classifies grape varieties by cold hardiness. Most Vitis vinifera are considered to be either tender or very tender, down to about negative 8 degrees Fahrenheit. The degree of tenderness is just another way to say that they're delicate and could be subject to damage. The grapes that are listed as most tender are Chenin Blanc, Merlot, Simeon, Syrah, Sauve Blanc, and Zinfandel. That means that Prolonged cold temperatures are most risky to those varieties. Some Vitis vinifera and some hybrids are moderately tender and can withstand temperatures down to negative 15. And these include Riesling, Cab Franc, and some hybrids. Most hybrids are considered moderately hardy. And the most common hybrids grown in Texas, of course, are Blanc du Bois and Black Spanish. So those are going to be a bit more hardy than the Vitis vinifera. And most Vitis Lambrusca varieties like Concord and Niagara are some of the most hardy of all, at temperatures even colder, down to negative 20. Of course, there's more to it than just the variety, but this was an interesting chart, and I will link to it in the show notes. Shara Mills, the new vineyard manager for Slate Mill Wine Collective, and previously of Pedernalis Cellars, said on an Instagram post, We have suffered some damage. The severity is dependent upon the variety and location but I'm optimistic for the season. Daniel Pate of Apical, Texas says that his clients will have a nice crop with limited issues. Others may have a mixed bag ranging from fine to doomed. Cold sensitive varieties will be heavily impacted. Sergio Quadra, the director of winemaking at Fall Creek Vineyards, wrote an extensive blog post about the impact of the cold weather on the vineyards. He says, thankfully, the icy temperatures came while grapevines in our estate vineyard and other Texas vineyards are still dormant. Grapevines are naturally ready for freezing temperatures while in dormancy. He goes on to say that we expect a result of this cold snap actually is a blessing for our vines and it will result in an even bud break. They anticipate that all buds will emerge uniformly at the same time. An even beginning leads to even growth and even ripening of the grapes. While it's way too soon to tell what is the complete impact of this storm on our 2021 harvest, we believe our vineyards are off to a good start. He also says that another positive effect may be on the soil, that soils that have been deeply frozen become fluffier, lighter, and easier to till, 
and better oxygenated. So he says that every cloud has a silver lining. While there's a lot to be seen in the coming weeks and winter is far from over, there's a good chance for this weather to have a positive effect. So what's next? Well, across the state, vineyards are undergoing bud and vine dissections to evaluate damage. Mara and Dan Sharp out in Fort Davis shared that they're doing just that, looking for green when they slice open a vine or a bud. There's a photo that accompanies her social media posts, and it shows a little bit of green under the hardened brown vine. Mara writes, green means living tissue inside the vines, and buds that have survived the cold will be able to push new shoots in the growing season. We're going to start pruning the vines in earnest later this week, but for now, it's such a relief that the vineyard seems to have survived the intense freeze. On February 22nd, the Houston Chronicle published Dale Robertson's article about the winter weather. It's called How the Texas Freeze Will Affect the State's Wineries and Wine Industry. Dale included quotes from Alphonse Stotson of Soderberg Vineyards and Vaca, Bobby Cox out in the High Plains, and Eric Sigmund, COO of Ready Vineyards in the High Plains. Ron Yates was also quoted in the article, saying, The sap was just starting to move when this hit. I'm hoping the vines were still in a state of dormancy. In two or three weeks, we'll see new growth, or we won't. Bobby Cox mentions in the article that a lot of the vines in the High Plains were already weakened because of damage from the herbicide dicamba that is blown in from neighboring farms. He said a lot of the damage had been done before the freeze. Well, I've got my fingers crossed, and I'm hoping for the best for everyone who's watching the vines and waiting. Please keep me up to date on what you're seeing out in the vineyard. And for those who are still dealing with broken pipes and power outages, hang in there. Meanwhile, while all of this was going on in the vineyard, wineries were helping their own employees and also members of their local communities who were in need of power, water, and food. Here are just a couple of the ways that wineries helped out. Bending Branch Winery is helping the residents of Comfort, many of whom are still without reliable water. So far, they've provided over 20,000 gallons of potable water. People were filling containers in the parking lot, and Bending Branch also donated bottled water to the Boys and Girls Club of Comfort. Many members of their team have donated food, shelter, money, and time. Lost Straw Cellars and Grape Creek Vineyards were praised by the Fredericksburg City Council for their efforts to provide water to Harper, Willow City, and other nearby communities. Farmhouse Vineyards Marketplace and the Tipsy Trailer in Johnson City was also in on the charitable action. Their tasting room manager offered delivery of soup to those who couldn't get out or didn't feel safe getting out. They also donated wine to a pay-it-forward program for civil servants and electrical workers. They even did small tree removal and were checking in with wine club members who may have needed a hand. I'm sure there were more, but I did want to share these because this is the kind of good news that we need more of. And there are still plenty of people across the state who are without power, water, or food. If you're able, consider finding a local charity that's doing work you support. Everything helps. I hinted at some big news in a podcast at the end of 2020, and here's the news. My family has just purchased a place in Fredericksburg that we're going to enjoy when possible and then also rent out. I've spent a good bit of the month down in Fredericksburg getting things situated, and I even rode out the ice storm there. Sadly, I did not visit any wineries, partly because I had my young daughter with me and partly because 
it was too cold and most places were closed. I will certainly share the information when the listing goes live, but in the meantime, check out heavenlyhost.com, which is the management company that we're going to use to run the rental. They've got the cutest houses in town and the best service in the area. That's heavenlyhost.com. Did you know it's possible to buy me a glass of Texas wine or two? Details are on my website, thisistexaswine.com. Click the Support the Podcast tab. Now, I'm always asking for feedback and comments, and I was delighted to get a voicemail from Nicole at Becker Vineyards. I'll let you hear from her what's going on at Becker. And remember, I have a Google Voice mailbox that is ready for your messages 24-7. The number is 802-585-1286. Maybe I'll share your comment or question on the next show. Hi, Shelley. It's Nicole Bendley with Becker Vineyards. We wanted to say hello. And we know the meteorologists say Texas encountered five storms in seven days. Uh, the power, phone, and water outages, along with hazardous icy conditions and broken limbs, has definitely been challenging across the state. Uh, we hope everyone has stayed safe. We hope everyone is okay. Uh, and we pray um, that we get everything as a state back up and running uh, to normal again soon. As far as the winery, uh, some parts of our winery operation are still without power and some parts are still without water. Uh, but our barrel shade tasting areas uh, does have water and power and we're able to do our wine flight tastings. Reservations can still be made online at beckervineyards.com or they can call us at 830-644-2681. Um, some new things coming up. Uh, we do have our wine club pickup party slated for February 28th and March 7th. And we have new releases of the Sanso, Ranger Hayes, White Wing Sauvignon Blanc, and Malbec. Uh, the Sanso, uh, those grapes, uh, we bought from Drew Talent, uh, in Mason, Texas, and, uh, made the wine here at the winery. Uh, kind of a light-bodied red, a little bit of spice, uh, really delicious. Uh, the Ranger Haze is a Bordeaux-style blend. Uh, it has Malbec, Merlot, and also uh, Petit Verdot. And we call it Ranger Haze in honor of the Texas Ranger who actually had surveyed our winery property uh, back in the 1800s. And then the White Wing is our Sauvignon Blanc that's been aged almost a year in French oak barrels. Uh, it's got a light oak uh, oakiness to it uh, with a nice mouthfeel. Uh, also has some uh, fun Granny Smith green apples and a little honeysuckle on the finish. And then uh, we also have our, our Malbec, kind of a great medium-bodied red, um, very flexible with different foods. But these are some of the new releases that we have here at Backer Vineyards. Thank you so much, and we hope you'll have a great day. Bye-bye. Texas Wine Lover is the website to visit when you have a question about a Texas winery or Texas vineyard. That address is txwinelover.com. Jeff Cope is a great supporter of the Texas wine industry and also helps promote this podcast. Thanks, Jeff, and thanks, Texas Wine Lover. Please email me with any feedback or questions. Who would you like to see on the show? What's been your favorite episode thus far? Or just say hi. My email is texaswinepod at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast at Texas Wine Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for listening to This is Texas Wine. 
I'll be back soon with another episode. Cheers, y'all.